Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 225 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter, celebrating 10,000 Twitter followers today. Thank you guys so much. I was sort of had like a quiet, you know, internal goal of like, oh, I wonder if I could hit 10K, you know, by the end of the season. And thanks to you guys. And um, I know a lot of you follow me on Twitter. I know a lot of you follow everything else, and I appreciate that too. But uh, thanks to you guys. We got there two weeks early. We got two weeks to spare on the 10k followers so i really do appreciate that i know just a couple weeks ago we got to 5,000 subscribers here on youtube as well so again i uh, just can't thank you guys enough for supporting the show both through your engagement in terms of likes and subscriptions but also those of you that support us on patreon and donate to the travel funds uh it's really it's really appreciated and uh it's it's nice that you guys help me do the things that i want to do you know for my career, uh, and I, I really do take that seriously and, and appreciate uh, what you guys are, are enabling me to do here on the Falcoholic Live and at the Falcoholic. So uh, starting off the show with some thanks there, but we have some draft content to reach tonight. Uh, we are going to be breaking down the start of draft season here for the Falcons officially eliminated from the playoffs in week 16 after the loss to the Ravens. Uh, frustrating game. We talked about it a lot on our uh, belated post-game show on Monday, uh, if you check that out. So I'm not really going to rehash too much of that game. I think Jordan and I covered it pretty thoroughly, but I will sort of go through the important takeaways, which are, you know, we need to have a plan with Desmond Ritter and, you know, what are the possible scenarios the Falcons could be looking at after the next two weeks in terms of where can we end up in the draft. I've done a bit of research on that, so I'll break that down today. Uh, we'll also get into... Essentially, the the top, my sort of assessment now uh, of the team's top needs and sort of some of my favorite targets at this point in the draft cycle. I've only really been diving into actual film watching on college prospects like as over the last couple of days. So I don't have a huge amount of film study done, but there's a lot of great people doing that work right now. Like everyone over at the Draft Network, they have so many scouting reports up. It's giving me a chance to sort of read up. On a lot of these guys, I've also seen a lot of them live, so um, you know I'm start. It's starting to come together. I'm going to be trying to watch 20 guys uh, before the Senior Bowl uh, to get a baseline there, mostly defensive linemen because that's my favorite, and also uh, it's what the Falcons need desperately. So we're going to get into that today as well, um, and definitely take taking your questions as well. If you guys have burning questions, you could donate to our Senior Bowl fund. Should be getting my credentials approved any day now uh, for the Senior Bowl. Uh, but we've already raised $72, guys. Thanks so much for that. Uh, so if you're interested in donating to that, you can leave us a question by going to streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. Uh, or 
you can donate on Venmo. Just let me know in the chat that you've done that. Um, and I will make sure to get to your question uh, during the show as well. Really appreciate everyone uh, for their support. And of course, if you're just watching and you want to support the show, just give us those likes and subscribes or those five-star reviews on the podcast platforms. Those, like I said, those really help us out as well. So thank you guys so much for that. Uh, speaking of Dylan Spires with the $5. What's up, man? Welcome back, Dylan. Uh, he says, we have seen a lot of defensive tackles drop in the draft. Do we really think Jalen Carter would get drafted as high as people believe or not? And that is a good point, Dylan. Um, to me, there are sort of two true blue chip defenders in this class, two, really two blue chip players, depending on your opinion of maybe CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. But to me, the clear top two guys that are in a tier of their own are um, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. And right now I would have Jalen Carter number one, probably based on my thoughts. I think Will Anderson's still really good, but I think Jalen Carter just as has he he's he's been otherworldly and and will anderson's really awesome as well so you can't really go wrong with either one i think but i think jalen carter just inched ahead slightly with his play this year um so you raise a good point though do teams really value defensive tackle enough to take him that high i mean we've seen like i think quinn and williams went really high recently and that pick has looked good in hindsight i i do think Will Anderson is likely to get picked first because he is an edge rusher um, and no one's going to forget what he put on tape last year, which was just completely like number one overall pick sort of tape. Um, And it's not like his tape this year was poor. It just didn't really build on that amazing season. So um, I do think Will Anderson's still going to go first. Uh, But I think there's I think if you want either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, you probably need to be picking in the top four because I don't really think teams are going to get a good enough offer to trade out of those picks unless it's for a quarterback. Um, like, like I know there was a question on Twitter today from Damski who was saying, you know, would you consider trading next year's first to get up to get Jalen Carter or Willie Anderson? And I was like, no, um, because it it's too rich to get, to get a non quarterback. I think like I could see it probably for some teams that are really close, like the Eagles, I think would be an obvious candidate to try to make a move to get one of those two blue chip players because I think they are so close right to the to the precipice and they could afford to give up a future pick to really get that extra blue chip player that's going to take them over the top. Um, but for the Falcons, I think this needs to be a slow burn. Um, you know, I think they're I think they're doing it the right way. It's just it's sort of you know frustrating to watch uh, in the early stages, but. I, I don't think trading away multiple picks for someone even as good as Jalen Carter is the best move. Uh, at the same time, I wouldn't hate it because it means I think you're getting the best player in the class if they were to to trade up for him. But ultimately, I think the best case scenario if you want Jalen Carter is that the Falcons do end up losing the last two games and then ending up around like probably pick four is where they need to be. But I, I think if the Falcons have pick four, they have a pretty good chance of getting Jalen Carter. Um, but we'll see, you know, it, it, it's tough, uh, to predict, especially this far out, there could be guys that rise and fall and whatever too. But, um, yeah, I, I do really like Jalen Carter. So like, he's one of those guys that I would get excited about drafting or even trading up for, but, um, it's, uh, it's complicated, but you're right, Dylan there. I think the the sort of positional value argument would sort of suggest that Jalen Carter is more likely than not to fall slightly. Considering I think he's like the number one overall player, going to four would be like a fall, quote-unquote. But, um, yeah, great question, though. And I I think Jalen Carter should absolutely be 
the top target if the Falcons are picking in the top five. Like, because I, I think you just, you're really hoping you get a guy like that on this defensive line. That's what, that, that or Will Anderson is really what they need more than anything else. All right. Yeah. We're going to get to a lot of draft stuff today, guys. I know we've been, we've been like teasing the draft takes out, you know, slowly over time. But now that the Falcons have officially been eliminated, I'm sort of full steam ahead into the draft stuff. Um, before we get to that, I did want to start with some, some notes. Um, some stuff that we do need to sort of monitor. Um, going into the offseason, you know, we've got two more games, right? These last two games are, are big for evaluation purposes. We need to know what pieces are coming back. What can we expect from the second-year players, from the third-year players, and so on. Um, so we're going to, to get into that stuff and the the tape from these last two games, even though they're not playing for a playoff spot anymore, is going to be really valuable in terms of deciding and sort of stacking the board needs-based. Um, it's also important for the draft pick, right? Because if they do lose out, there's a really good chance they're picking inside the top five. But if they win two games, they could fall down as low as, I think, technically like 11 or so. Um, I know... Like, you, you look at the, the wins, and it's like, oh, well, they could be lower. I think, honestly, like, based on the fact that, fortunately for the Falcons, a lot of the teams, I think, like, two or three of the teams, well, four, I think, of the teams in the top ten play each other over the final few weeks of the season. So, um, at least some of those teams are going to win. Like, Arizona plays Atlanta this week, so obviously if Atlanta loses that game, they don't just lose, they give Arizona a win. Um, and with the Falcons' strength of schedule being pretty low, it's not the lowest anymore, but it is low. I mean, it, it's one of the lowest. Um, they they have a great chance. You know, the Arizona game is really key because I think if they if they do end up losing the Arizona game, um, they're probably picking in the top five. If they win the Arizona game and Desmond really come together and look good, then I think there's a chance. You know, you, you pull off the Tampa Bay upset, and um, I would absolutely not be opposed to. Uh, Desmond Ritter coming in and really solidifying his hold on the quarterback position by winning these last two games and looking good and sticking it to Tom Brady. Um, I would not. I would love for the Falcons to get a win against Tom Brady. Uh, I I would. I'm all on board for that. Like the draft pick is nice. Don't get me wrong, and I I do love to talk about the draft, but it's more important to me to to beat Tom Brady's ass one time. Like we got to do it. We need to do it before he retires. So. Um, you know, I think that you, you got to go for it there, but even if they do win out, um, which I think is not very likely, I think, I think they'll win one of these last two games and it's probably going to be the Arizona game, but, um, it's not impossible. Um, and I think that, uh, no matter what, they're probably picking in the top 10 and they're going to have a chance to add a, a good player here. So with this class, honestly, if you're not in the top four, I don't think the difference in talent between picks like six and ten is really big. Um, I really don't think it is. So I, I don't really think it, it hurts them that much. It's really like they should, if they lose out, they'll have a great draft pick probably. If they win out or win one game, they'll probably be picking between six and ten. So that it doesn't really matter that much. So it's like if you're going to win, you might as well go all in, and um, that's nice. So... They could end up, I think, any technically the Falcons could end up anywhere between second overall all the way down, I think, to to sort of twelfth overall. Um, but again, it's it's unlikely that they would go that far. And I think 
technically the lowest they can fall is maybe 10 because of the fact that all these teams play each other. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I haven't done the precise math on that, but I think 11th or 10th is the, is actually the lowest they can fall. So we're not, no matter what happens, they're not going to like end up in, you know, the 15 range or something like that. It's just, uh, you know, it, I know everyone wants the top pick, but I think this team is going to try to win these games and I don't blame them. And, um, yeah. I, I, I want to see them beat Tom Brady. So it's worth it in my mind if they were able to do that. But worst case scenario, they lose out. They probably get a top five pick at worst. So, um, you know, they would be sitting at five if Arizona wins this weekend, regardless of anything else that happens. And, you know, Indianapolis plays the Texans, right? That team's a dumpster fire, but they are playing the Texans. So if Indy wins a game too, that would mean the Falcons would be at four. So, um, you know, I think Denver and, uh, somebody else play, I think Chicago and somebody else play. Um, so some, some folks in there are getting wins, uh, one way or the other. So we'll see what happens. Um, and Houston, you know, you have to imagine that if Chicago has lost out, you know, going into that, Houston doesn't really have anything to lose by winning at this point. Like Houston could win a game and they will win any tiebreaker with Chicago for one overall. So I don't think Houston's really going to like purposefully tank or intentionally lose their game against Indianapolis. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's, it's interesting, but there's not a lot of variation with where the Falcons could fall, no matter what happens with, with them over these final two games. So I wouldn't get too wrapped up in, Oh, if they win, they blew this great draft. Honestly, if you're, if you're not walking away with Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, and I think you have to be in the top four to do that, then I don't think it matters in a huge way because there's like a group of guys after those those players that I think are all pretty good that you can get um, after that. So I wouldn't be too sort of caught up in that at this point. I think you can enjoy if they win and not, you know, freak out. Um, so the next question that has to be answered for draft season and for the off season as a whole is quarterback, right? Cause that's the big one. That is the big question mark. Um, and Desmond Ritter's play over these final two games, regardless of anything else that happens like that is probably the biggest story, probably the biggest thing to watch. Um, and after the saints game, it was looking quite dark after the Ravens game. I think this is definitely trending in the right direction. It's very early still. We still have two more games to get through, but I think if Ritter finishes strong, that's all that the team will sort of need to be comfortable going into next year with him as the starter, which you don't generally see that with a third-round pick, but I think if Ritter shows enough, we know how how much the coaching staff likes him, how much he fits their system. So I'm not expecting them to make a big splash at quarterback necessarily if Ritter finishes strong. Now, if Ritter falters or it's more open-ended or whatever happens there, um, there's other options. And and another quarterback is going to come in here because Marcus Mariota reportedly will be cut for the cap savings. Um, So another quarterback is coming, but I I really don't think it's going to be a first-round quarterback, like a top 10 sort of pick spent on quarterback. I just... I like Bryce Young a lot. He would be the one I would choose, but I don't think they're going to go that route. I think they're going to go a different route. They sort of desperately need other stuff. Um, And I think that they like Ritter enough that they're willing to at least wait and see to see if he can play well this year over, over a full season rather than spending another big pick. Um, So, 
the other options that the Falcons could have, uh, the big ones to me that stand out would be trades. We've already talked about Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, we'll see if anything happens with like, I guess they, you know, Derek Carr said he will be cut. So that's not going to be a possible trade opportunity. Same thing with Ryan Tannehill. That could be a cut Kyler Murray. If he, you know, demands a trade or something or, um, you know, any, any number of other crazy stuff that happens. Um, those those are legitimate options that a trade could happen there. We know the Falcons have were willing to get very aggressive for a quarterback this offseason. Um I it, it was not one that I agreed with, but you know, I they've shown that they're possibly willing to do that and could be involved. So I do think there's a chance no matter what that they go if Lamar Jackson becomes available that they will get involved in that sweepstakes. It's not likely they'll end up with them even if they get involved. Um but it's a possibility. The cut veterans are probably I'm sort of thinking that that's a realistic option. I know, I know everyone hates the idea of Ryan Tannehill coming here, um, and I don't blame you. Like he's a, he's an aging quarterback. He's not really been sexy the last few years without Arthur Smith, um, and people probably think he's going to make a lot of money because he was making a lot of money with the Titans. But if Tannehill is cut, and it seems like the wind is blowing that that's what's going to happen because the GM was fired and the Texans, or excuse me, the Titans want a clean break and a clean start and all this stuff, they don't want to spend that much on Tannehill. Um, it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. I and I'm not saying you have to love it, <laughs> but I think the Falcons could potentially get Tannehill at a discount because he wants to reunite with Arthur Smith, where he looked like an absolute top ten quarterback two years so this wasn't a flash in the plan fashion the pan um sort of you know fly-by-night lucky season for Tannehill he had two excellent seasons with Arthur Smith in Tennessee these two just work together um I, I strongly believe that if Tannehill comes here he could be that level of quarterback here but I think the Falcons could get him at a price tag where it's possible that teams think he's washed after a couple of years with the Titans and nobody wants to give him a big contract you know it, I think Tannehill could come here for relatively cheap and even potentially be your your veteran backup behind Ritter, who also gives you that starting upside if Ritter should falter. You know, at this point, it's really hard for me to predict if the team's going to be confident enough to, to stick with Ritter. So to me, bringing in like a mid-range veteran like a Tannehill who's been excellent with Arthur Smith, um, you know, I, I think that that's a great fit. Um, I think it won't be overly expensive, and I think should Ritter falter, Tannehill gives this offense a pretty good ceiling because we know what he looks like with Arthur Smith where he's been excellent, and this could be a good good situation for him to come into. So I think there's mutual, there will be mutual interest there. He might even agree to take a discount to come here. Um, and for the record, I know people have, have asked about it, his comments about not wanting to, Malik, uh, to mentor Malik Willis. And I, again, like... I know that he said that I, I think he was probably not happy about the team, you know, drafting a successor. Nobody ever is. But when he comes to Atlanta, it should be made clear that like he's going to be in a competition with Ritter, um, just like he was when he was brought into Tennessee, where he was being brought in as the backup behind Marcus Mariota and being told, look, you know, you're going to have a chance potentially, but you're, you're the backup right now. Now go prove to us that you can do it. And he, and he you know, he didn't have a problem in that scenario. So we'll see. Um, but I, I think if they, if the Falcons aren't going to spend a premium draft pick and they don't make a trade for a Lamar Jackson type player, adding someone like Tannehill to go along with Ritter 
makes a lot of sense because it gives them a, a reliable option at worst who would probably be like the best backup quarterback in the NFL and Desmond Ritter who still may may be their future planet quarterback and and Tannehill's probably only playing two to three more seasons anyway so you know you're not necessarily committing to Tannehill for more than a year or two and if everything goes south you could you're probably setting him to a deal where you can just get out of it next season and and draft someone in the top of the 2024 draft and we're starting this conversation all over again but um at the end of the day Tannehill probably won't be expensive he's really familiar with the offense he looked great in it just two years ago um I think it makes a ton of sense. I know it's not sexy. I know it's not exciting, but um, it's it's a possibility because of the connection there, and because look, they they uh, they have a connection. Those two clearly work well together, and I think that can that's how a lot of these deals in the NFL get done. Um, especially guys like Tannehill that might be considering retirement. Maybe he decides to keep playing with Arthur Smith or something like that. Um, yeah, and, and Derek Carr is the other one. Uh, I really don't think he's the type of quarterback they want here. I do think Derek Carr is an absolutely fine NFL starter. I think he's like a fringe top 15 guy most years. Um, but I think I think that he's not really what they want. The Falcons don't really want a prototypical like pocket passer. They, they do want more of that mobile quarterback archetype. Uh they don't need that pocket passer in their offense. I don't even think they really want it. I think they want to get the quarterback on the move and rely on the quarterback's ability to move the pocket and be a threat as as a runner. I, I think they want that, so I don't think they're going to go in on Carr, but that is another guy that could uh, come available. Um, we got Vil Vats. What's up, man, with the $25? Thank you so much, Vil. Appreciate that, man. He says, who are some key free agents the Falcons should target this offseason. What, what position groups would you prefer the Falcons to address through free agency? <laughs> Have fun at the senior bowl and grab some craft beer on me with this donation. Will, uh, thank you very much, man. Uh, I will for sure do that. Uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely going to get to that. I'm going to do this episode right after we finish this sort of discussion. We're going to get into the top needs, and I'm going to you know talk about the top targets as well. So, Will, we're, we're going to get to that for sure uh, tonight. Um, so once the quarterbacks thing is figured out that that's going to be a big question mark going into this off season, but I'm assuming that somehow they, they solve that. I don't think it's going to be with a top pick. Um, but they're going to do it some other way. So I'm assuming going forward that quarterback is not considered a need for the most part. Like they're going to figure out some way to either handle it with a vet. They're going to probably just handle it with a veteran addition is, is my thought or a trade. Um, so the other side of that coin, right, is that, and as this is getting to to Will's question, um, the Falcons have money for the first time in forever, right? They can actually fill significant needs with veteran signings instead of relying entirely on the draft to do this. So it's going to feel different this offseason. We're going to have a lot more change from end-of-season needs to draft needs because there's going to be a lot of players brought in to help get this thing moving in the direction that we need it to go. Um, so... That's going to affect things, right? Who they go and sign. Um, free agency does happen first, right? So you're going to see signings come in, and that's probably going to affect how we stack the board and how we sort of analyze the team's needs because they're going to fill a lot of these holds, hopefully, uh, with veteran players. Um, so that's all going to change because of that. But that being said, right now, 
nothing else changes, right? Like the only players the Falcons have are the guys they have under contract. And then they're, you know, we're going to take into account maybe some re-signings as well here. But um, yeah, and right after the season, you know, but probably after the senior bowl, I'll do like a full free agency breakdown sort of thing um, where we look at all the, the, you know, teams free agents and who's going to come back and, and who are they should sign and all that. We'll probably do that after the senior bowl, just because right after the season, it's going to be like, two weeks to go in, until the senior bowl starts. And then um, I, I basically have to just dive into the film to get a baseline going into that game. But after that, we'll probably do more free agency stuff until the combine. Um, so this is going to be my assessment of the team's needs at this point. Um, and these are the, the needs that I would consider like significant enough to, to list. Now that, that doesn't, it's not going to have every position ranked on here. Um, and that we'll talk about which ones aren't on here as well. But to me right now, it's a tie at the top between interior defensive line and edge. Like it, it doesn't matter to me. Get Getting at least one blue chip of this group is a, is a necessity. Like they have to get one at minimum. And two would be better uh, to really reshape and completely fix that room. You're going to need, like I'm expecting a blue chip edge rusher or defensive lineman in the draft, plus probably a day two selection, uh, plus at least one free agent addition as well to this group. So three new starters on the defensive line altogether, I think is a necessity, to be completely honest with you. Um, and it doesn't even have to be starters necessarily, just three key rotational players. Like one of them might be a nose tackle if they go and try to, to really upgrade that spot. One might be more of a penetration style into your guy, and then we might have another edge rusher in here as well. Um, so that defensive line to me is, is clearly the number one need. I think most people would would just agree with that, right? Um, the Falcons just, like, I like what we've seen from Arnold Abicati. I think we have something potentially in D'Angelo Malone, and maybe Lorenzo Carter comes back, but that's not enough on, on the edge. And then we all know at defensive tackle, it's basically a disaster zone. So um, to me, it makes more sense to sort of go after edge rushers in the draft. I don't love this edge group in free agency. I just don't think it's very good. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys like Yannick Ngakwe, uh, you know, like I talked about resigning Lorenzo Carter, Marcus Davenport. Um, these guys, you know, it's none of them are like super moving the needle for me. You know, I do like Ngakwe. He's having a down year with the Colts, but he could be, a, you know, a, a buy low sort of guy. And then Davenport with the connection with Fontenot, maybe he is convinced to come here, but I don't love that group. Um, the interior defensive line group is much, much better. Uh, that's where I would probably sign one or two players i just love this class is much much better um no questions asked like deron Payne is obviously the headliner uh but there's so many good players in here um you know greg Gaines from the rams very solid interior defender jj watts retiring so he's off the list folks but um you know zach allen from the cardinals having a tremendous season as a pass rusher really breakout year um we've got javon hargrave uh, from the Eagles, David Anyamata from the Saints. Again, that Fontenot connection could be big. Larry Ogunjobi, again, having sort of a down year, but, you know, T Taven Bryan's having a breakout season for the Browns. Puna Ford of the Seahawks. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, you know, could be a buy-low guy. 
Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson of the Vikings at nose tackle. If you're looking for a premier guy there, even John Kaminsky, right. Uh, has had a tremendous season with the lions. So Ashawn Robinson is a run defending guy. I like a lot. To, I mean, I think they could easily add one premier guy and one sort of starter guy um, in that group and, and look and feel really good about it. Um, and then add, you know, somebody in the draft too. Like I, I think the Falcons should absolutely double dip and get at least two defensive linemen in this draft class um, to complement it. I don't think they need more than that because if you had one to two guys in free agency and then one to two guys in the draft, like you're now you're, you, you know, they already have take one Graham. They already have Grady Jarrett and they've got at least Malone and Ebicady here keeping around at edge. So there's room for, for guys, but there's not like room for like four guys or five or six or seven guys. Like they need probably three to four new faces to really beef up this group. Um, but defensive line to me is clearly number one. Um, we got RJ with the $10 donation here. I'll get to you real quick. RJ, thank you so much, man. Appreciate that. He says, you guys always do a great job covering the Falcons. Thank you, man. Really appreciate that. He says, how surprised are you with the defense? only giving up 21 or fewer points from the past few weeks. Is it something we're doing good or are we playing bad quarterbacks? Probably a little both, right? I mean, it's, they haven't been playing a murderer's row of offenses. There's no doubt about that. You know, they've been playing some, some backup quarterbacks. Um, but like the saints, you know, they only allowed 21 points there and the saints haven't been a good offense, but they haven't been a bad one. Um, and that wasn't a backup quarterback. You know, the Ravens have Tyler Huntley, uh, and that passing game was weak, but that's still not a terrible offense. You know, the Steelers commanders, they, I think they've definitely benefited from playing a weak group of offenses, but at the same time, you remember the Dan Quinn years, it didn't, it didn't really matter who they played. They would, they would give up 25, 30, 35 points to basically anyone. So I, I think this defense is at least keeping it reasonable. I don't think they're looking very good doing it most of the time. I think they're actually a pretty painful watch, but for whatever reason, they're they're doing enough to keep it going. Um, and so I appreciate that. I, and, I, and I think that's as much as everyone maligns Dean Pease and his, his off coverage and zone that's frustrating to watch, like... I think Pease is really strapped and putting this together with duct tape and sort of really trying to, to limit the damage in any way he can. And, um, you know, I think it's a sign of good coaching that they are not giving up a ton of points to these even bad offenses. Um, this defense, I'll give them credit. They've based, they've kept the offense in almost every single game. The only one that they didn't was the Bengals game, but the offense had a lot to do with that as well. So, um, Otherwise, it's been there for the taking every single week. The defense has kept it within the realm of the reasonable, and the offense just hasn't risen to the challenge. And I think that's really all you need from this defense. But until the offense really gets up to speed, improving the defense will help them win close games. And then I think if this team wants to be a contender, they have to get the defense to at least an average level, if not better. Um, so that and, and addressing the pass rush. Um, I think is, is a big part of that. Arthur Smith, to his credit, did say like addressing the pass rush was one of the biggest offseason priorities. So we've heard that before, right? Um, but but at least they're they're notating it at this point. All right, so second biggest name uh, need, wow, for the Falcons. I just I have a generically offensive line. And the reason I have that right now is because 
to me, I think the Falcons need to add one more starter on the offensive line. One just really good player. And I would like to do that in the draft because they're going to spend probably a ton of money re-signing Caleb McGarry and re-signing Chris Lindstrom. Um, so I think they're they're spending the money on the offensive line right now. Jake Matthews is making $34 million next year. Now, that that's a smart move, and we'll talk about it in the offseason, but basically most, if not all, of Jake Matthews' guarantees and his big money are going to be this year. So if Jake Matthews doesn't rebound back to his you know Pro Bowl form after this next season or, or continues to sort of slowly slide down, the Falcons really aren't on the hook for much after this year, and they're eating most of his money in this season uh, where they are just have a ton of cap space. Um, and I think that was a really smart contract construction by the Falcons. But I think they need one more guy. And I, and I think we know how important the offensive line is to everything this team wants to do. So I think it's worth investing in a big way here. And to me, the biggest need on paper is center. I know Drew Dahlman has his fans and he's still a young guy. So maybe there's the potential there. But I just, I don't love anything that I've seen from Drew Dahlman this year. I, I would make it a priority to upgrade that spot. And I think this is a strong center class. I would make, I would just hold, just really hope that they can sit there with their second round pick and get John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, um, who I think is sort of just the clear top center in this class and just a really good player. I don't think he's as good as Creed Humphrey. He's not going to be as high on my board probably as Humphrey was, but Schmitz is very good, um, very sound, great player. So he's he's a guy that I really want. I, I But I think, honestly, like it wouldn't upset me if the Falcons sort of just sit there in the second round and just sort of say, we're going to take the best trench player that falls to us. And if it's a really good offensive lineman that fell out of the first round, like a John Michael Schmitz or one of the tackles or, or whoever, you just take that guy and you plug him in, um, you know, and maybe they play guard this year. Maybe they play center or maybe, you know, they're, they're a a swing tackle for you. But I, I think, I think getting a versatile guy is good, like someone that could play guard or tackle or center, like at least two of those spots would be good. And then you just plug them in um, wherever wherever the, the hole is, is biggest. And to me, it would be center. But again, you know, maybe you, you you draft like a Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. Maybe he falls for whatever reason. Um, elite guard and then transition to tackle. So what could he do? He could play left guard for a couple of years until Matthews is ready to, to move on. And then you move him to left tackle and boom, you just add another left guard, you know, it, it, or you get a good center and then you sort of make do with what you have at left guard, which is three guys basically that have all looked like solid starters and Elijah Wilkinson, Colby Gossett and Matt Hennessy, who may be getting the start this week. We'll see. So I think you just add another offensive lineman. Um, so that's, that's really what my number two need would be just add one more good offensive lineman starter to this group. And I think this becomes a really, really good offensive line at this point. Um, My third biggest need, and this one might be kind of controversial, but it's wide getting a wide receiver too. Um, And I think with Desmond Ritter throwing the ball more and, and clearly the Falcons wanting to get more involved in the past game. I think that the need for another wide receiver has become more clear to me um with Mariota I think they were getting it done perfectly fine but it was also really low volume I still do like Alameda Zacchaeus I think he's a wide receiver three however um and I think he's a good one uh but to me I think they need to get a wide receiver two um partially because 
if you look around the NFL at the offenses that are playing really great, it's the ones that have like three really good weapons um, in the passing game. And for some teams, it's two wide receivers and a tight end. For some teams, it's three wide receivers. You know, for some teams, it's two tight ends, you know, whatever. But those three really good receiving options, right now the Falcons have two. They have Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Um, but if they could add a, a good wide receiver two on day two, that could really improve things here. I think that would really take this offense over the top. And then it also, I think, shields them a little bit from an injury sort of derailing the offense. Like, I think it clearly has with Kyle Pitts gone. All the attention's on Drake London and, and teams are sort of starting out to stop the run. And that you can't really have one injury derail your pass game like that. I mean, obviously, Kyle Pitts, you know, if you lose your top receiver, it's going to hurt your pass game. But I think it's it's a bigger need than I thought at this point. Um, that Like early in the season, I thought it wasn't as big a deal. Now I, I'm thinking that wide receiver two is one of the bigger priorities in that late, you know, late day two, early day three sort of range. There's definitely some guys I like there. I, I wouldn't spend big in free agency. I would try to re-sign Zacchaeus for like $6 million a year or something like that as your wide receiver three, maybe bring back the depth guys, right? Like I like Kadero Hodge. He's a great special teamer. I think Demir Bird definitely gives you like that deep element that you could mix in and maybe we'll get more consistent with Desmond Ritter. But I think they need that really high end guy to sort of step in. Um, and I think you have to draft that. Um, to me, there's a number of, of wide receivers that I think you could get on day two or early on day three. That would fill that need for the Falcons. I, I think going for like a speedster, more of like a short yardage, yards after catch sort of player makes a lot of sense for them. I know Josh Downs has a lot of, of supporters, but I, I think he could end up going like late first. So that might be too rich. I do like Jay, Jalen Hyatt a lot. If he officially ends up uh, declaring for the draft, I think that that one makes a lot of sense. Uh, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Um there was one other guy, I think the Michigan State receiver I actually liked quite a bit, um, Jaden Reed. Uh, I, I like I liked his game a lot. I think he's sort of a sneaky guy as like an early day three uh, receiver. They, they really are just lacking that guy they can throw a screen to and have him just take off and, and get big yardage or that guy that's going to be really, really dangerous on crossers and also can can potentially be a deep threat for you with the speed. So I, I would they they have the big guys right. They've got London, they've got Pitts, they've got Kaderil Hodge who offers that size. But I think they really are missing that sort of dynamic Z threat um, or even a really good slot guy for when they do use three receivers. So that that's why that's a little bit higher on my board than maybe some folks. Um, the next one for me might also be a little bit controversial, right? Um, cornerback is my fourth biggest need right now. Um, and I got into, I guess, I guess I'm the only person that likes Casey Hayward at this point. Um, I thought he was fine. I thought he was a reliable veteran. I thought basically everyone in that secondary early on just was at the mercy of just a really terrible pass rush and it did, it made them all look bad. So Casey Hayward will be 34 next year and he's making $7 million. So that, that's the first thing. The Falcons, the second thing is that the Falcons don't need the money. And if they release him, they they only save five of the seven million. So it's not like they save seven million straight up. They save five. So to me, you can you can move on from Hayward if you have a good plan for that five million dollars. But um, you know, I I think that his ability to play inside and outside is is big. I think right now, like we've already seen the Falcons' secondary depth sort of exposed, and I think having Hayward as like your third corner, um, as 
a, a guy who can step in anywhere if needed, play all over the place, really provide that veteran leadership that the Falcons just don't have in the secondary right now. That It's a very young group. To me, I think it's worth it to keep him around. But it wouldn't shock me if they do cut him. I mean, it's not going to blow my mind or anything. But even if they if they keep him, I think getting a high end cornerback two is a big is a big priority. Whether that's a slot guy or an outside guy, you you can make it work. But I think adding that that secondary corner across from Terrell long term, you know, I think we've seen that Darren Hall probably isn't that guy. He's I think Darren Hall is certainly good enough to be a rosterable depth corner, but I don't think he's ever going to be a plus starter for you. Um, so they need to get that guy in place next to Terrell and Casey Hayward, you know, slowing down a bit. So maybe the slot is a good spot for him. Um, he's a good run defender. So either way, I think you, you, you basically try to add a nickel corner, uh, a, a good one to upgrade that room um, and I think that would help the secondary a lot. I think that's sort of the weakest link right now is that door, that third corner. And maybe you really like D all D D Alford. Yeah. Robert Kelly. I, I would definitely, I would, I would cons- I think, I think Isaiah Oliver has been sort of a disappointment. I think his run defense has continued to be good, but he hasn't really, he hasn't played anywhere near as good as he did before his injury last year. Um, so I, I think, you know, Oliver might come back as like a depth guy, but I, I don't know that he's going to be a starter anymore. Um, but again, like maybe the team thinks it's all injury related and they want to give him time and he's not going to cost a lot of money. So I, I'm perfectly fine bringing him back. Same thing with like D Alford. I would definitely give him his exclusive rights tender, you know, which is vet men and have him come in and compete again. I, I think he's good depth at, at worst, but I think you had one more corner, whether that's in free agency or in the draft to really flesh out that rotation and give you a third option there. That's really good. Also helps you weather the storm in case of injuries this is what this money is for. And you need to build this roster up, make it not vulnerable to one injury derailing your whole season. Um, so that's, that's my hope there is that that, that is prioritized as well. Next one. These last two are sort of hard to rank, but to me, linebacker would be fifth. Um, I think getting another off ball linebacker, Long-term is important. Clearly, Troy Anderson is one of their plans there. Um, And I think uh, Rashawn Evans, he's played almost 100% of the snaps at linebacker. I think they really like him. I don't think he's a high-level starter, but I think he's a solid one. So I'm comfortable with him starting again in in 2023. I do think adding a day-three linebacker is a great idea. This is, if you've paid attention to any of my mock drafts, they are littered with day-three linebackers because... Day three linebackers routinely become starters. Um, it's a great place to find linebacker help, especially if you're looking for a specialist. Like if you want a guy that can line up on the line of scrimmage and play the run, or if you're looking for a thumper, or if you're looking for a smaller pass coverage guy, you can get a specialist linebacker in the fourth, fifth round that will start for you without question. You can't do that at a lot of positions in the draft linebacker is one where you get a discount and I love taking linebackers on day three. So you're going to see a lot of linebackers, uh, from me on day three in in mock drafts. I can tell you that right now. This is a good class. I like a lot of these guys. Um, I think, I think that's a good place to add depth and add a third guy. Not to mention that Michael Walker will still be here next year. He seems to have lost favor with the coaching staff in favor of Troy Anderson. Again, not surprising considering this staff didn't draft Michael Walker. Um, 
But, you know, it they're going to keep Michael Walker around. I don't really see any reason to cut him. He's he's at least a serviceable rotational. He's at least a serviceable starter, good rotational guy. Um, I think he'll be back no matter what. Um, but I think they will try to get a more long-term option in here because I don't know that they're going to consider extending him. Um, so linebacker is, is a bit, it's, it's an important one. It's fifth. So it's important enough for me to list, but I don't think it's a premium need. Like I wouldn't, I know someone mentioned Trent Simpson. Trent Simpson looks really good. I don't think it's that kind of need for them. Um, no Sewell. I like that's going to be more day two pick, but again, this is a best player available team. So maybe they, they swipe at a guy like that if they really, um, like, like him. Uh, but yeah, I think day three is such a good spot to draft linebackers. That's where I'm going to have it circled until, you know, something else happens or they sign someone in free agency. Um, number six is safety. I, I think safety is actually a big need for them. Um, they're not going to move on from Richie Grant. I think they're committed to developing Grant, but I think it's clear they can upgrade Jalen Hawkins spot. And I, I think Jalen Hawkins will be back next year. He's still got one more year on his rookie contract. So that's fine. Um, but I think you can you can definitely upgrade other safety spot, and I I think to me, you know I really am I'm sort of thinking that this is a spot where you do sort of go all out to get a free agent to get a premium guy. Um, you know we've talked a lot about right like like Jesse Bates, um, coming in here. This is a guy you know, just a tremendous versatile safety. So I, to me, I I think that's maybe where I would go throw the bag at Jesse Bates to get him in here. Um, the Falcon, this defense, the safety play is really important. I don't think it's been on point very much this year. So getting a blue chip safety uh, is smart. Jesse Bates is just 26. He's going to be good for a long time. Tremendous run defender. Very good in coverage. Um, you know, I, I would throw the bag at Jesse Bates. That's my preference, which I think that's sort of why I have it lower on the list, to be honest, because I sort of imagine that it's going to be a, like somewhere where they actually invest a lot. Um, and I think that would be huge for the defense and, and also free up, you know, draft picks for other guys. And I, I think safety is a spot where they could really use the veteran presence because they have Richie Grant, who's a young safety. He's a little over aggressive. They need that veteran back there to get things in order and really give this team an identity in the secondary. I think Bates coming in is perfect. So I hope that happens, but there's other options if they miss on Bates, you know, Von Bell also on the Bengals is a free agent. Um, Nick Scott of the Rams, I think he's having a down year, but solid safety there. Um, you know, uh, guys that are a little bit older, um, could be an option, right? You know, I think, um, who was it that I was thinking of? Jordan Poyer, you know, he's going to be 33 or excuse me, he's gonna be 32. Um, but he could be cut by the bills potentially. Um, well, maybe not. No, wait, no, sorry. He's a free agent. Um, so yeah, Jordan Poyer, he's been injured this year, but elite safety when healthy and another veteran guy wouldn't be as expensive in free agency as Jesse Bates, certainly. And you're probably only getting him for a couple more years, but that could be a good way also to add uh, an impact starter there. You know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson um, has been playing well with the Eagles. He's a free agent as well. Another option there. So I, I think I think free agency is where I'd go to address safety, but safety is another one. Um where you can get a guy on day three that can be a potential starter for you in time. You know, uh, there were a couple guys I liked in this last class that are starting right now that were in that day three range. So that's another one where it could be a day three pick if they don't get the guy they want in free agency. Um, and the last one that I thought was worthy of ranking is, t- is tight end two. Um, 
because this offense relies on the tight end so much, I think it's worth mentioning that getting a tight end two is something they're probably going to prioritize like a really good one. I think their tight end depth is absolutely fine. I think it's more like if Kyle Pitts goes out right now, there's just not another guy that catches passes at time. Like Anthony Ferkser, but he doesn't really move the needle. He He's basically unplayable as a blocker, and that really hurts their ability to do stuff with him. So I think the Falcons are looking for someone who's a much better blocker than Anthony Ferkser, but can also catch passes at a, at a you know decent level. Um, I don't think they need to be receiving specialist level, but like better than Parker Hesse, probably better than Michael Pruitt, um, and maybe and be a better blocker than Anthony Ferks or Felipe Franks. Um, I think that's that's a need. I think that's a need they will go after. I don't think it's a need that needs to be addressed early. Um, I think this is a a decent tight end class in the draft. Um, you know, I like Sam Laporta from Iowa a lot. I liked him a lot last year. He went back to school. That's an early day three guy, um, who's a versatile, you know, blocking slash receiving tight end that could do a little bit of everything, been very productive in college. I think he's a perfect fit here. I would be all over Sam Laporta early on day three. Um, the Falcons again, do have two fourth round picks. So remember that, um, as well as I think two, uh, they do have a fifth round pick as well. Um, from the Jaguars coming, I believe, as as long as Calvin Ridley is reinstated, which would it would be shocking if he wasn't. Um, so I think that's important need. I don't think it's a high level, like we need premium investment need, but I think it's enough to mention. Um, so th- those are my like six ones that I'm going to be sort of prioritizing. I'll obviously in my mock drafts, I'll consider anyone who's on the board. You know, if the if the value is good enough, somewhere I may still go in that direction just because I think that's what the team would do. They've shown willingness to do that. Um, but to me, I think, um, you know, like running back, it's not on my list. It's not a priority for me at all. Um, I, I think you, you've got two seventh round picks. So if you have a priority sort of free agent guy, you really like spend a seventh round pick, bring him in. But I think between Tyler Algier looking like a legitimate RB one, Coral Patterson's definitely slowing down, but as a running back too, he's perfectly fine. Um, and, you know, Avery Williams as a change of pace guy has looked good. Um, Caleb Huntley's probably going to miss time next season with his injury, but I think when he comes back, he's a running back too as well. I don't think you need any sort of premium investment at running back at all. I I mean, they could use a guy with a little more home run speed, but ultimately it's it's... The Falcons are going to pound the rock. They know the type of guy that they like. Pretty much everyone they've thrown back there has looked decent. I think they're going to be able to do the same thing. And maybe they just go and sign someone they like in free agency. I don't think it's going to be one of the premier guys. But, like, you know, there's so many running backs that are available in free agency every single year. They're not going to be expensive. Um, you know, you've got even even guys like Jamal Williams from the Lions, right? you know, playing a secondary role there, but great in the red zone. He could be someone you bring in, you know, there's just so many guys, you know, Alexander Madison hasn't gotten a lot of carries, you know, how much money is he going to get on the open market? I would be happy to bring him in. Um, You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money and I think you can get a perfectly serviceable guy to come in. And honestly, I wouldn't, I don't really think it's, it's need It's draft worthy. Like, I mean, maybe, like I said, one of your seventh round picks, if you want to throw a dart at a premier free agent, that's fine. Um, but I think, uh, ultimately like this, this position doesn't need any help (laughs) for the most part. Um, 
And like I said, I think quarterback one way or another, it's not going to be a, a thing in the draft. Although I will say like a guy like Hendon Hooker on day three is probably my favorite option if we're going to consider drafting a quarterback just because I really like Hendon Hooker. I thought he was having an awesome season. I think he's a perfect fit for this offense, but he's going to be 25 and he's probably going to miss most of next year. Um, So he's going to be one of those like patient picks. But again, day three pick for a potential quarterback who I think has NFL starting upside. You know, a lot of times you can end up flipping those types of guys for draft picks too. It's not the worst investment in the world, especially if the Falcons end up trading down at some point and getting extra picks. I don't hate it. I think that is something people should consider. Um, But it's not a top need for me at this point. Um, We got... Okay, so my my rant and and monologue is over. Um, I know we had uh, a couple questions. Sean Stassi asks, how high do you think the Falcons will draft a cornerback to be on the opposite side of A.J. Terrell? The answer to that's really hard to predict. I do think that it could be anywhere. I think it could be their top pick. I think it could be the second round. Uh, I think it could be the third round. Um, This is a good cornerback class to take a guy in the first three rounds, I think. So I I think that's probably where it will happen or it won't happen at all. Um, But you know, Christian Gonzalez, it was on my list of top targets that I put that I sent out on Twitter. I really like him. Joey Porter Jr. is awesome as well. Um, I know Cam Smith has a lot of fans. Keely Ringo, a little bit more developmental. Uh, but like second round guys, you know, Devon Weathers- Witherspoon. Uh, I know someone mentioned Caillou Blue Kelly. Garrett Williams from Syracuse. Um, a lot of guys that are in that in that range that could be impact cornerback twos for the Falcons. I would be happy to draft a lot of those guys on day two. You know, we'll just have to see how it shirks out. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see uh, where. But I, to answer your question, I think it could be anywhere from like rounds one to three. I think if it gets lower than that, I'm not sure that they'll bother with it um, because they already have, I think, a number of like good sort of like depth corners that might be more that they're sort of looking to develop. So I don't I don't really see them drafting like a late corner. I mean, they could always do whatever they want, but. I think that's less of an emphasis late. So I think that's like one of those things where it's either going to be a big free agent addition, earlier draft pick, or they sort of just stick with what they have um, and, and we'll see. But I think they're going to add something there. I, I just don't know where or when in particular. Um, but yeah, uh, I really, I really do think um, this team has a potential to be a worst to first team next year. I think they've got all the stuff set up to go their way. They'll have some positive uh, one-score game regression. Unlike last year where this team won basically all their one-score games, we knew that was going to regress to the mean. This team has ended up losing more than winning. That pendulum, again, is likely to swing back towards 500. So I think you're looking for this team to to win more games just in, in the way that the lot of averages tends to push teams towards the middle. Um, and then I think this, this roster is probably going to be drastically better. The big question mark to me is, is quarterback. Like, is Desmond Ritter it? Do they make a big move? Do they sign a veteran to compete with Ritter? What does this quarterback position look like? That's the biggest question and the biggest cap on sort of their ceiling. But I think next year, this is going to be a a playoff contending team. Will they be Super Bowl contending? That's completely dependent, I think, on how quarterback shakes out. Um, As well as do they nail the moves that they're going to be trying to nail. Um, but I think anything less than than contending for the playoffs next year would be a pretty big disappointment. Um, 
and that's going to be a tall order because this is a team that hasn't done that really in, in a long time. Even this year, you know, they were technically competing in into Week 16, but this wasn't a great, uh, you know, wasn't a great season overall other than that. Um, Robert Kelly, tell us about the fullback we signed to the practice squad. Yeah, Clint Rakovich, don't know much about him, honestly. I know he was, like, considered one of the, like, draftable fullbacks, which usually means you're a pretty good fullback. Uh, from last year's class, I think he got hurt at a preseason workout or something like that and missed the whole season. He was released off IR, and the Falcons signed him to the practice squad. So I think they, it's it's a competition for Keith Smith once again. Um, and, you know, like, Keith Smith, very solid player, um, but I, I don't think he's a guy that the Falcons are, like, overly attached to. I think they like him, right? Uh, but he's a good special teamer as a like f- lead blocker. He has a lot of, he has flashes, but I think he's sort of okay. Really his special teams is sort of what makes him stand out. And then as a receiver, he doesn't really offer much. So I, I think Clint Rakovich offers you a little bit more as that chess piece fullback. He's a much better blocker. I, I don't really know, you know, special teams wise, if he offers the same level there, but to me, I think the Falcons have done a good, good job of adding special teams players so Keith Smith isn't as needed maybe there compared to years past where they didn't have all the gunners. But um, it definitely is like, you know, Keith Smith's a free agent next year. So whether he comes back or not is an open question. You know, I think they, they are going to at least have Rakovich in here to compete with Smith going forward. Um, but yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I think um, I think. That, that, that's a good start on draft season. It is here, like I said. Two more games. We've got the Cardinals this weekend. Uh, then we got the Bucks to close things out. Uh, I'm still pulling for the Falcons to win. I know that might really upset draft folks, but I, I think it's more important for this team to finish strong and, and have Desmond Ritter show us that he can be a quarterback. I think that's going to be much better for this team in the long run. Desmond Ritter sort of solidifying self, himself as a guy that we're – intrigued to be the starter going into next year that is more important than them losing out and getting a few picks higher in the draft um because I'm not sure that they're going to lose both these games no matter what so I I think you go all in you try to see some improvement here and then you hope for the best in terms of how the draft pick shakes out but um we got a lot uh to cover this is gonna be a really busy offseason like I said um, we're going to continue diving into the draft and free agency and senior bowl coming up. And again, thanks to everyone for their donations to the fund. Really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, I'm Kevin. I have alcoholic Kevin. Uh, like I said, like, and subscribe if you haven't done so already. If you're listening to the podcast, leave us that five star review. If you enjoyed the show, uh, you could support us on Patreon. If you're so inclined on a monthly basis, patreon.com slash alcoholic live. Uh, and if you're interested in donating to the senior bowl fund and you're a podcast listener, you can do so at streamlabs.com slash the falcoholic slash tip just leave a question with your tip and we'll be sure to get to it on the next episode if we're not live at the time you can also do it via venmo if you prefer that uh my twitter account has my stuff linked there uh to my profile uh and if you want to add a question there as well you can just tweet it at me that you that you donated or you can add it in your in the notes of the venmo transaction or whatever you want and i want you guys to be able to get your questions answered of course uh And we just really appreciate everyone for hanging out with us here on Wednesday night, uh, week 17, almost here would be the last, you know, week of the season, but it's a year longer. So, you know, have to get used to that, I guess. But, um, again, guys, thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed the rest of your Wednesday evening. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live for our post game show. Also going to have, 
Uh, former tight end Ed Smith joining me on Friday for the Cardinals game preview. So I'm excited about that. Uh, and we'll go from there, guys. So until then, uh, have a great night, folks. We'll see you next time on the Falcon Hawk Live.